Down by the rivers where the good times roll, is what they say. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, horror stories from the river. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true river horror stories that'll keep you away from them tonight. About five years ago, I and my sister went to a nature park, wetlands, so to speak. Of course, we went at night so we could skateboard around, because you were not allowed to. But you know, I was a 14-year-old trying to look cool in front of my 24-year-old sister. Well, we went around the time the sun was setting. For a little bit more context, we got lost in the park, because it was very big, with condensed and thick woods. We were trying to find the bridge, a 20-foot or so bridge, so we could hang out just above the rushing river. By the time we got there, the sun was hardly visible over the mountains. I was just looking around after drinking my water, and here's where all the creepy stuff begins. As I looked to the other side of the bridge, I saw a tall, skinny figure. I first shrugged it off like it was a person, maybe a park ranger of the park, but then it got on all fours and ran away very quickly. At first, I really didn't see anything, mainly because I thought it could be a bear or something else entirely. I looked back at my sister as we chatted about boys and many other things. Then I looked back at the end of the bridge. My sister did too, and we both saw the same figure this time. At this point, I was incredibly freaked out. Mind you, it's not quite dark outside yet. The sky was purple and orange, so it wasn't like we were seeing things, like when your mind pictures figures in the dark. No, it was right there and getting closer and closer. I told my sister to get the hell out of there. Her going first off the bridge and down the hill. I went second as I turned to look at the bridge again. It was five feet in front of me on all fours once again. It stood there as me and my sister skated off. This isn't even the end. I told my sister to head to the main building since there were cameras and lots of light. We skateboarded for what felt like hours. Every minute seemed to last an eternity. As we finally got to the main building, we stopped riding our boards. Out of breath and scared out of our minds, we both looked around for this thing. By this time, it was pitch black outside and we could hardly see a few feet in front of us. We made a mad dash at the car, taking a path we have never seen before, but it was outside the park which made us feel a little bit safer. After we got to my sister's jeep, we both jumped in, hearts racing and scared out of our minds. When we tried to leave, the gate was locked though, meaning we couldn't leave since there was only one way in and out of the park. We got even more scared. Terrified, but trying to keep our wits about us, we tried everything to get out. We even thought about just leaving the car behind and walking the two hours home, but we drove onto the sidewalk and got out of the park eventually. To this day, I won't go back to those wetlands ever again, even in daylight. Whatever that thing was at the river, I never want to see it again.
I can't stop thinking about it, and I'm almost 19 now. You can think this is just a story, but I swear it really did happen. Me and my sister don't even talk about it to this day. Something changed between us. I could feel it after that day. This story might not have the most satisfying climax or ending, but it defies all logic and sense and will probably leave you feeling quite bewildered, as it did to me while it was occurring. Having said that, it's still the creepiest series of events that has ever happened to me. When I was a young teenager, my friend Nathan and I would often take my family's large sea kayak out across the nearby river to a small creek that was around half a kilometer away and shot off adjacent to an abandoned golf course. This creek was very slow moving compared to the large Hawkesbury River, and because of this, a lot of rubbish and debris would collect at the mouth of the creek before slowly being distributed throughout its length. Nathan and I spent a lot of time at this creek. We even built a small jetty to tie to the kayak to use long sticks with to catch the bailing from the twine that would come from the hay bales that we used to feed the horses back at home. We used this jetty to moor the kayak while we navigated the mess of prickly pear cacti that guarded the borders of the golf course. The golf course itself was incredibly eerie. No animals, birds, or even insects would be heard in that area. Every noise that you made was echoed back at you from a nearby sandstone cliff face. The closest thing that we saw to an animal was the skeleton of a kangaroo, which we found around the second time we went there. It was strange as we had only gone to the spot around a week or so prior, and there was no corpse. Yet, there, in the middle of the clearing, was a full kangaroo skeleton, some bleached and scattered about. We picked up some of the bones and admired them closely, remarking on what part of the skeleton we thought each bone was before tossing them aside. I took the skull back with me in the kayak and placed it on the bookshelf of my room when I got home that afternoon. I often took things back from outings. Nathan never really did, but he was always on the lookout for things for me to collect. The next time that we went out to the creek, we decided to try our luck at exploring the waterways as far down as we could. We armed ourselves with machetes and a small hatchet that we used when we built the jetty and set off. The journey was made extremely difficult by vines that spanned the creek from bank to bank, sunken logs and dense river weed that made paddling near impossible. The water was full of garbage, too. Broken tubes, life jackets, boat propellers, you name it, it made its way there. As we made it through to a relatively rubbish-free area that had dark, ominous-looking water, I looked down briefly and saw what I thought was a doll's head just below the surface of the water. I stopped paddling to crane my neck to see it more clearly. It was a doll's head for sure around a foot below the surface, as if it was tethered from the riverbed. It was looking up with a blank expression and light blue eyes. I instantly got a panicked feeling as I gazed at it. Before I could say anything, Nathan explained, Oh, cool, and plunged his hand into the water. I could tell that Nathan was surprised at how deep he had to reach to wrap his fingers around the head, but Nathan was a determined guy. He lifted the head out of the water and looked at me grinning. 
Streams of water running from his closed fist as he held it toward me triumphantly. I took it reluctantly from him. It was a small doll's head around three inches in diameter. The head was clearly sun damaged and as a result it had lost a lot of the paint features. There were no discernible pupils on the eyes, just the blue colored irises. This gave the thing a disturbing look. I shook my head at Nathan and placed the head on the front of the kayak to look like a figurehead of an old wooden ship. Nathan laughed. Let's call him Bob, he said while grinning. I gave him a deadpan look, trying not to laugh. You're so original, I scoffed at him before turning around to resume paddling. I stopped immediately when I saw Bob staring back at me. I had not placed him like that. I had placed him facing outward. I knew that I had done this because the face creeped me out and I did not want to look at it. Nathan was paddling while I stopped, and so we were moving at a good pace. As I was at the front of the boat, I was meant to keep an eye out for the obstacles and call out if I saw anything ahead. I was entirely focused on Bob, however, as we struck a submerged tree and came to an abrupt stop. Everything on the kayak jumped forward because of this. Nathan, I, our packed lunches, and water bottles. Nothing too major happened. Everything on the kayak had jumped forward, that is, except for the doll's head. I had kept an eye on it the entire time, and it did not move even an inch. It was as if it was superglued to the boat. Nathan began teasing me about being blind, and I snapped at him to be quiet. He asked what was wrong, and I leaned to the right for him to see the head. I pointed and said, It didn't move, dude, while half chuckling. Nathan moved forward to look at it closer. What do you mean? He asked slowly. I picked up the paddle and took a slow stroke backward in the water to lightly hit the tree again. Once again, everything on the kayak jumped forward slightly as we struck the tree. Except for Bob. He stayed perfectly still. Nathan laughed. That's weird, he said, his voice trailing off. I reached out to turn Bob around on his spot and he turned easily. Let's go home, I said loudly, trying to wash the area of the heavy feeling that was seeming to settle upon us. Nathan agreed, and we turned the kayak around to head home. I watched the head like a hawk. Bob never looked back at me on that trip home, however. When we got home, we packed up everything that we could into our backpacks and lifted the kayak out of the water. The head was stuffed into my pocket. I had not told Nathan about how creeped out I was, out of fear that he would give me crap or give him possible ammunition to play a dumb prank on me with it. Nathan was and still is my best friend, and he would absolutely have done it if he had the chance. I decided to just keep my mouth shut about the stupid doll head and hope that Nathan would simply forget about it. We trudged over to my neighbor's backyard with the kayak, holding it by the handles at both ends. My pocket started to feel very warm. I stopped listening to Nathan's nonsense and began to focus more on the ever-increasing temperature of the head inside of my pocket. Each time I thought it can't get any hotter, it somehow would. It was not burning, more like the feeling of deep heat as it gets left on. I, I tried my best to ignore it. It was getting dark now, and I really wanted to get home. We dropped the kayak in the garage and put away the machetes and hatchet before making our way upstairs for dinner. I took a detour to my room to dump the head out of my pocket and onto my bed, leaving it there while I left my room to join Nathan and my family for dinner. When Nathan and I finished dinner and entered my bedroom to go to sleep, later that night, 
the head was absent from my bottom bunk bed. Granted, my room was a mess, but it still should have been there, in the cleared spot on my bare mattress. It took a little time for me to look for it, tossing the blankets and sheets aside, climbing on top to peer down through a gap between the bed and the wall. I could not see it anywhere. I was not concerned that I may not see it again. In fact, I was somewhat relieved that it was gone. However, I had a gnawing feeling that it was still around, not watching me exactly, but just a presence. Nathan seemed to have forgotten about it though. He never brought Bob back up again, and that night, he climbed up to the top bunk and promptly fell asleep. I lay down on my bed and pulled the bundle of blankets haphazardly over the top of me, falling asleep rather quickly. The next day, I was awoken by the sounds of thumping noises coming from nearby outside. I got up out of bed and glanced out the window into the front paddock of the property to see my stepfather using the hatchet to hack at a tree stump that was much too large for a minuscule axe. My stepfather was a rather smart man, but his grasp of common sense sometimes bordered on the absurd. I yawned, rubbing my eyes, and turned around before opening them. I froze in place. There on the shelf in front of the kangaroo skull was Bob. His eyes looked once again directly into mine. I turned to look at Nathan, still sleeping on the top bunk and instantly jumped on the railing to punch him hard in the upper arm. He awoke with a pained cry and looked at me with a scowl. What the hell, man? He demanded, lifting his other arm to place his palm over the spot that I had struck with the punch. Like you don't know. I said with a half-assed laugh, trying to mask the trembling tone in my voice. Nathan looked incredulously back at me. I stared at him to try to see if his stoic expression would falter. It always would when he played pranks. It did not, though. I shook my head and strapped across the railing so that the bookshelf was in his view. I pointed to the top shelf. You didn't put it there? I asked quietly. Nathan sat up to get a better look and shook his head. Nah, man, I would have had him facing outward anyway. You know, I would have. I spin my head around so fast that I'm surprised it did not break my neck. Sure enough, the head was now facing toward the kangaroo skull and not outward like before. I began shaking. Unable to hold myself up on the railing any longer, I dropped to the floor and stormed over to the bookshelf to pick Bob up and took him out into the kitchen. I stepped on the pedal to open the chrome bin in there and threw him in there a lot harder than I needed to. I did not let the lid naturally close, instead choosing to slam it shut as, you know, a good measure. Honestly, months went by, and Nathan and I never had an opportunity to make our way back to the creek. With school holidays approaching, I was keen to get the big chores out of the way and go spend a day on the river. I did this by working weekends with my stepfather on various projects on our rural property. We used the machetes and hatchet that Nathan and I had taken on our last trip to the creek to complete many of these tasks. We never saw or experienced anything creepy while working next to the creek this time, though. Me and my friend never really had many more adventures up by the creek. We were too scared to go back after that experience, and honestly, I don't want to have to ever go through that again. I don't really know where Bob went, and I don't really care to know. I just know that you should never take anything you find in the river, a creek, or just somewhere you don't belong back home.
So back when Pokemon Go came out, I was spending the summer with my mom at the trailer park she lives in in Wyoming. It was a really messy time in my life. Mom and Dad hadn't really been divorced all that long, and they were totally at each other's throats over custody and possessions and stuff. Dad had found a girlfriend, which I suppose was good for him. But I was 19 at the time, and I just didn't want to hear anything about it. Anyway, he wanted to go on vacation with his new girlfriend, and he had general custody of me. So he and my mom arranged for me to stay with her for two weeks during the summer. I love my mom, I really do, but it sucked being around her when she was so sad. When she was feeling happy, it was just like old times. We were having a girl's vacation basically, but when the thought of the divorce got to her and she'd retreat into her bedroom to cry, it was honestly one of the most emotionally painful times of my life. That's why Pokemon Go became such a welcome distraction I suppose. It gave me something else to focus on. Something to take my mind off the whole thing. And that is something I really, really needed. So, one day, I got a notification from the game telling me that if I needed to find water-type Pokemon, that I'd have to find a water source nearby. Some of the water types are so, so cute too. And I really wanted to catch a couple of them to add to my Pokedex. Then, I saw that there was a river nearby. Not too far from where the trailer park was. So I told my mom that I was headed out for a walk along with where she'd be able to find me in an emergency, then headed out to the bright sunshine to catch myself some Pokemon. It was only a short walk towards the river, and honestly, it was such a lovely day for it. I could have spent hours just walking up and down the shoreline, catching all the adorable little water types and giving them cute names. But my peaceful, sunny afternoon was cut short by the sight of something floating in the river. At first... I only saw it through my phone camera as I was catching a polywhirl. Something that looked an awful lot like a clump of garbage floating on the surface of the water. It was under this big highway bridge, so between the bright summer sun and the shade it was in, I couldn't make out exactly what it was initially. I thought it was a real shame that someone would just dump a bunch of clothes in the river or something. As I could tell, a lot of it was made up of cloth, I still remember how slow I was to realize what I was looking at. And God, it makes me remember how dumb I felt. All like, why the hell would someone throw away old clothes? What are they attached to? Until I was actually like, oh no, oh no. Out loud as the super obvious shape of a person could be seen, floating onto the surface of the water. It was just so surreal. Like it seemed like something straight out of a movie. I wasn't sure if it was real. Or maybe just, I just didn't want it to be real. But as I got closer, the smell hit me. The sickly sweet rotten smell made me gag and wretch and stumble away so I could call 911 without puking. I was in floods of tears by the time the cops showed up. And the officers were very nice to me. Calming me down and asking me just a few questions until a forensics team showed up in their van to check the scene out. Then, a few days later... The local sheriff's department released a statement saying they were pretty sure it was just an accidental death and there was nothing suspicious about it, but it still really messed me up for a while, and I ended up having a few bad dreams about seeing the same floating body in various places. It also really put me off from playing Pokemon Go for a while, which was a real shame because it really was such a fun game.
14 years ago, my father and I were driving into work early one morning along a rural Wisconsin road that runs along the Trimbell River. While going around a curve to the right, we both saw a woman in a white dress on the opposite shoulder of the road, running towards us with her hands up like she was trying to get our attention. We noticed her just before we passed her, and my dad hit the brakes and spun right around. It was a very curvy road, so we figured she must have gone into the ditch. We were probably 100 feet from where we were when we saw her, when we turned around. We drove back almost a quarter of a mile when we didn't see her in case she kept running. We couldn't find a car in the ditch or a person on the road. She must have hidden in the ditch. It always seemed weird to me that someone would seemingly flag us down then hide. I don't believe in ghosts, but I looked at many deaths along that road and couldn't find anything in that specific place at all. So, within a few months, I forgot all about it. Today, at around 7am, I was driving down that same road and saw a bundle of roses that had been thrown out of a car. A bad Mother's Day for someone. Occasionally, I like to think of myself as an amateur photographer, and I thought it would be a cool noir picture with everything in black and white except for the petals torn apart on the road. Well, while I was taking some pictures, I realized it was quiet. Too quiet. No birds, no bugs. I couldn't even hear the water in the small river next to the road. All I could hear was the light wind, and I don't know how to describe how silence can feel loud, but it was oppressive, almost deafening. Quiet like the woods on a winter night when all the birds are gone and the bugs are dead. Except the sun was shining in mid-May, and it was around 65 degrees Fahrenheit. I jumped in my car and sped off. By the time I got around the next curve, I could hear birds and water again. That was when I remembered seeing the lady 14 years ago, and the roses were in the exact same spot as she was running when we passed her. I don't know much about the paranormal. I do not really believe it, myself. I know the roses are just a coincidence, but I cannot explain that silence. It just felt unnatural and bad. I am just sharing this on this show to see if anyone else has ever heard of a phenomenon like this. My brother and I have talked about investigating further, possibly late at night, but neither of us have a clue what we are doing. My university was in a remote location, surrounded by a river. It was almost like an island. Very isolated, and during the weekend, all the locals go home, making it even more eerie. This happened in 2014, when I was around 22 years old. My roommate went home for the weekend, so I decided to sleep in my friend's room. Around 1pm, I woke up feeling thirsty. My friend was studying, so I decided to walk to my room and bring the water bottle as my room was on the other side of the corridor. There was an elevator at the end of the corridor, which played soft music and you would know if the elevator was on your floor. So, I walked towards my room, and as I turned right towards the corridor, I saw an unknown girl staring at the elevator without moving. First, I didn't know who she was, because we can usually tell which year a student is by just being able to see how they act and move around the campus. If somebody was spending three to four years in the same place and looking at the same faces every day, you would definitely notice somebody who doesn't belong. Secondly, the girl was wearing denim pants, 
sport shoes, and was carrying a backpack as if she had just came back from her class. What's strange is that the hostel door closes at 8pm. The girl was looking straight at the elevator buttons without even blinking. The elevator was still out on her floor, so why wasn't she going in? I could see her side face. It was a very strange stare. I don't know how to explain it. I automatically stopped walking after seeing her and got goosebumps all over my body. Something was stopping me from taking my steps forward. I stood there and watched her for about a minute. After that, I went running to my friend's room and asked her if she recognized the lady. When she came back, she was not there, and the elevator music was still playing. My friend did not believe me, and I still don't know who or what that was. I did some research, though, and noticed that a young girl did go missing who looked very, very familiar. It almost was a spitting image of that girl I saw at the elevator. Apparently, her body was found floating in the river just outside the campus. So now I'm kind of wondering, are there river spirits roaming the campus still? Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true river horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the channel. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as that really helps me over there a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be from the outdoors or something different, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'm always looking for all kinds of scary stories to share with you guys. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you guys would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and all kinds of other cool stuff. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.